This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. I hope you all had a good weekend with you and yours. Now let's get you caught up on the news. But before we do that, have you heard of Smart Pricing Table? Do you own a business or write a lot of proposals? If so, you should check out SmartPricingTable.com. Smart Pricing Table allows you to create quick and accurate proposals, and it's loaded with features like recurring fees, quantities, and line item upsells. When your project is ready, they can e-sign, and you're off to the races. Visit SmartPricingTable.com and mention CrossPolitik to get 25% off of your first two months. And let me tell you, as somebody who uses it myself, I can say that is incredibly helpful because um, you're signing a lot of contracts and whatnot with sponsors. Uh, it's definitely a benefit to what we do here across politics. So check them out. Again, that's smartpricingtable.com. Let's head back over to China, shall we? They've been in the news lately, but this time it's not for the protests. It's for CCP-linked hackers stole $20 million in COVID benefits from the United States. The Secret Service announced that hackers linked to the Chinese government stole at least $20 million in U.S. dollars COVID relief funds, primarily those meant to help small businesses and unemployed Americans, this according to NBC. The theft from the Chengdu-based hacking group, which goes by the name APT41, is the first instance of pandemic fraud tied to a foreign government that the U.S. has publicly acknowledged, and it may just be the tip of the iceberg. The Secret Service declined to comment on any other potential instances of state-sponsored fraud, but said that there are more than 1,000 ongoing investigations into the stealing of COVID relief funds involving domestic and international cyber criminals, acknowledging that APT41 41 is a notable player. It is unclear at this point whether the Chinese government directed APT41 to commit this fraud or simply looked the other way. Quote, I've never seen them target government money before, the head of intelligence analysis at the cybersecurity firm Mandanent John Hulquist said. That would be an escalation, end quote. The Secret Service can- considers APT41 to be a Chinese state-sponsored cyber threat group that is highly adept at conducting espionage missions and financial crimes for personal gain. Officials believe that the primary purpose of state-sponsored groups like this is to gather sensitive information from American American individuals, businesses, and institutions that could be used by the Chinese for espionage purposes. At this point in time, law enforcement officials and counterintelligence experts are almost certain that every American has had all or most of their personal data taken by the Chinese government in one way or another. Labor Department Office of Inspector General has estimated that more than $160 billion of the $872.5 billion set aside for federal pandemic unemployment funds has potentially been siphoned off by cyber criminals, though some individual states estimate higher amounts. There are other estimates that put that number as high as $350 billion. Elsewhere, we're staying in Europe this time. European country considers banning electric vehicle travel amid energy crisis, according to a report. Switzerland is considering banning electric vehicles for non-essential travel this winter as the continent deals with an energy crisis sparked by Russia's war in Ukraine. The Telegraph reported that government officials have already drafted plans to conserve energy that could include limiting heat in buildings to no more than 68 degrees Fahrenheit and reducing the number of hours stores can be 
open. Stricter measures could be enacted, including banning large indoor gatherings like sporting events, concerts, and theater events, the report said. Switzerland relies heavily on hydroelectric power, which constitutes nearly two-thirds of its energy supply, the excess of which it exports during the time of year that it can generate the most electricity from rain and snowfall, the report said. It then typically is forced to import energy during the rest of the year as its nuclear resources, which it has been working to phase out, and its fossil fuel resources are not enough to meet demand. The country has created a two-tier system for dealing with the energy shortage, emergency, and crisis. When the In the emergency tier, there are three levels of restrictions, and in the crisis tier, there are two levels. Electric vehicles would face restrictions in the third level of the emergency tier. In late August, officials in California unveiled a plan to phase out new gas-powered cars and days later asked residents to avoid charging their electric vehicles in the interest of not overwhelming the power grid during the heat wave. The warnings of low grid capacity come days after California Air Resources Board issued new rules requiring 35% of new vehicles to produce zero emissions by 2026, a standard that will rise to 68% benchmark by 2030 and a 100% level by 2035. Yet experts have warned that the state's electric grid will require significant upgrades to manage a rapid transition away from internal combustion vehicles. Quote, today, most people charge their electric car when they come home in the evening, when electricity demand is typically at its peak, according to researchers at Cornell University's College of Engineering. If left unmanaged, the power demanded from many electric vehicles charging simultaneously in the evening will amplify existing peak loads, potentially outstripping the grid's current capacity to meet demand. Let's go from Switzerland to Canada. Canada offered assisted suicide to a Paralympian veteran who wanted a wheelchair lift installed. Canada's Veterans Affairs Office ordered to assist a Paralympian and veteran to commit suicide when she thought when she sought to have a wheelchair lift installed in her home. The woman told lawmakers last week, Christine Gauthier, a 52-year-old retired corporal who competed in the 2016 Paralympics at Rio de Janeiro, testified to lawmakers that a VA official had offered in writing to provide her with a medically-assisted suicide kit. The case officer remains unnamed, but reportedly made similar offers to at least three other veterans, according to The Independent. Quote, I have a letter saying that if you're so desperate, madam, we can offer you made medical assistance in dying, Gauthier said in a hearing before the House of Commons Veterans Affairs Committee. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau condemned the incident in a public statement on Friday after Gauthier said she personally wrote him a letter on the issue. Quote, we are following up with investigations and we are changing protocols to ensure what should seem obvious to all of us. That is not the place of Veterans Affairs Canada who are supposed to be there to support these people who stepped up to serve their country to offer them medical assistance in dying, Trudeau said. Canada first approved medically assisted suicide in 2016, and the parameters around allowing it have since loosened. The law originally legalized assisted suicide for those only facing imminent death, but it now also includes those who suffered severe pain or disabilities, according to The Independent. Gauthier's story comes just weeks after a Canadian fashion company glorified assisted suicide in a commercial. 
Canadian fashion company La Mazion Simons promoted the beauty in voluntary euthanasia in a promotional video titled All is Beauty. The ad includes a voiceover from Jennifer Hatch, a 37-year-old Canadian woman who voluntary, voluntarily euthanized herself after suffering from Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Simon says that the ad is aimed to help people to reconnect with each other and to this hope and optimism, which he says is going to be needed if we're going to build the sort of communities and spaces that we want to live and that are enjoyable to live in. The All is Beauty campaign has come to an end this week. Simons is now entering their annual holiday sprint, a spokesperson for Simons told Fox News Digital. In this context, all their team's efforts are focused on in-store and web holiday activities. Yes, not on getting you to kill yourself. Michael Avenatti, you remember him? He's sentenced to 168 months in prison or 14 years. Disgraced lawyer Michael Avenatti has been sentenced to 168 months in prison for four counts of wire fraud. This 14-year sentence is in addition to five years he is currently serving for other charges, including stealing almost $300,000 in book advance money from his then-client, Stormy Daniels. In June, Avenatti pleaded guilty to four counts of wire fraud and a single count of tax fraud and admitted to misappropriating funds from clients totaling around $10 million. During his sentencing on Monday, Avenatti appeared solid often keeping his head down and hands in front of him while hearing statements from two of his victims, according to Law & Crime News' senior reporter, Megan Cuniff, who was documenting the proceedings. Quote, It is now time for him to pay his debts to the victims, the government, and society, the judge said right before sentencing him. Avenatti became widely known across the country as the lawyer representing adult film star Stormy Daniels in her failed lawsuit against President Donald Trump after it was revealed that she was paid $130,000 in hush money before the 2016 presidential election to keep quiet about an alleged sexual encounter she had with Trump years earlier. Dubbed the creepy porn lawyer by Tucker Carlson, Avenatti was the darling of the mainstream media for a time, seen as a hero, David, for going after Goliath Trump before Avenatti's fall from grace. In July of 2021, he was also convicted of extortion after trying to get Nike to pay him $25 million that he claimed he was owed on behalf of a Los Angeles youth basketball team. He was sentenced to 30 months in prison and wept hysterically in response. On top of the numerous fraud charges against him, he also admitted to blocking IRS efforts to collect unpaid payroll taxes of an estimated $5 million include payroll taxes that had been withheld from employee paychecks of a Tully's Coffee operated by an Avenatti-owned company. So, there you go. That's Michael Avenatti for you. 14 years and counting. Is your smartphone a tool in the service of Christ or a minefield of distractions and temptations? With soul-killing seductions just a few taps away, our families and churches must embrace biblical accountability on all our digital devices. Accountable to You makes transparency easy on all your family's devices by sharing app usage and detailed browsing history, including incognito mode with your spouse, parent, or chosen accountability partner. Accountable to You helps your family to proactively guard against temptation so you can live with integrity for God's glory. Learn more and try it for free at accountable2u.com slash FLF. That's accountable2u.com slash FLF. Now it's time for my favorite topic, sports. 
Man thrown over the side of a bridge after Chargers game in wild incident caught on video. And he says his attacker has not yet been arrested by police. Unbelievable. A man who was caught on video being thrown over the side of a footbridge while exiting a Los Angeles Chargers game on November 20th is speaking out, blasting police for not arresting his attacker and saying he no longer feels safe attending games at Sophie Stadium. Sophie, Sophie, whichever. Um, but I wouldn't feel safe living in L.A. to begin with. In the video, the men can be seen then dragging William Bring to the railing before throwing him over the side. William Bring says that he suffered serious injuries as a result of this fall, including a concussion, broken ribs. Even still, he says that he and his sister were able to track down and identify the men who had thrown them over the railing. And even though they were able to make a positive ID to Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies and had video of the entire incident, police refused to make an arrest. WCOW also reports that there is no record that the man identified by Willenbring has yet been arrested by police or charged with any crime in connection with the incident. Inglewood police told WCOW they are still investigating the incident and Inglewood Mayor James Butts defended the city's response to the incident saying, here's the reality when you have hundreds of thousands of people in one place where you have alcohol involved, you're going to have fights. It's an unfortunate fact of life. We have put a lot of things in perspective. Six million patrons in three years, three altercations, end quote. Willenbring says that he plans to cancel his season ticket package because he no longer feels safe going to games. That's going to do it for this Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership or sign up for a magazine subscription, head on over to FightLapFeast.com. And as always, if you want to email me a news story, you want to ask about our future conferences, or if you want to become a corporate partner of Cross-Politic Studios, email me at Garrison at FightLapFeast.com. For Cross-Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day, and Lord bless.